what a great time of worship. Amen? Yeah, I love our worship team. Um, my name is DJ Iverson. I'm associate pastor here at New Vintage Church. I uh, get to do a lot of different activities around the church and involved in a lot of different ministries. Uh, one of my favorites is um, every once in a while we ask our senior pastor, our lead pastor, uh, Tim, to take a break, relax, and we've got it. And, uh, and so we'll fill in for him. And, and so today I get to uh, get the joy of sharing a message from the Word with you today. I'm excited. Uh, this is a great series that we launched last week called Not So Superheroes. We are giving attention to uh, some of the folks in the Bible that uh, maybe don't get a ton of screen time, uh, but leave a huge impact. Maybe don't take up a ton of scripture, but have some powerful lessons uh, for us to learn along the way. So my prayer for us today is that we would walk away from today not, not just feeling uplifted from worship and encouraged from our time together, uh, but my prayer for today is we look at Caleb, uh, is, is that we would be challenged, is that we'd be pushed and motivated to move today. Uh, we're going to be in Numbers 13, if you want to open up your Bibles or your Bible apps. Uh, we'll be in Numbers 13 and 14 uh, for the first half. Uh, we're going to split the sermon kind of in two. Uh, we're going to talk about Caleb's superhero name, or, or not, I guess not-so-superhero name. And, and then we're going to talk about his kind of not-so-superhero power later. Uh, and that'll be Joshua 14. We'll get there in a little bit. Um, I love Caleb. Caleb's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Like if you're going to make a movie of the Bible, Caleb would be like your like Jeff Bridges and True Grit guy. You're like your John Wayne guy. You're Rooster Cogburn, you know, who like, like puts the reins of the horse in his teeth and draws with both hands. And like, let's go, you know. I love Caleb's attitude in the Bible. And uh, one of the things I want to pull from today, uh, it, it, we'll start off with this. If we're going to give Caleb a superhero name, right, there's some great superhero names out there. Uh, if, if we're going to give Caleb a superhero name, I'm going to call him Let's Go Guy. Say it with me. Let's go. Let's go. Right? And, and I, here, here's what I think. I think every group of people, whether it's a church, whether it's a family, whether it's a group of friends, a, a team at work, whatever it is, I think every group of people needs a Let's Go Guy. Do you know what I mean? Like, like we have one here. We, um, before church this morning, I walked up and uh, Ricky Rodriguez sees me. Yeah, I see me laughing already. You know his phrase. Uh, <laughs> Ricky Rodriguez, one of our pastors in training here, uh, who's got a great heart. Uh, Caleb in the making, for sure. Uh, <laughs> Ricky sees me putting the mic on. He goes, oh, you're preaching today? I'm like, yeah. He goes, let's go. I was like, you're going to really like this sermon. Um, I love Ricky. Ricky's one of my favorite Let's Go guys in my life right now. Um, <laughs> I love Let's Go people. Uh, they're exciting to be around. And, and whether you're a Let's Go guy, whether you're the Let's Go guy, or you're around those Let's Go guys, uh, there's always adventure to be had. There's always a great story to be had. Let me tell you about a couple of my favorite Let's Go guys. Um, Let's go ahead and throw the photo up, uh, photos up. Uh, that's my best friend Dan uh, jumping off a roof into a pool. Let's go. That's right. Uh, that's one of my really good friends from college, Chris, wearing a pinata heading into Taco Bell. Um, I love these guys. I grew up with Dan. I've known Dan. Uh, he was at my third birthday party. We've been friends ever since. And uh, Tim actually talks about him a lot. Uh, Tim will tell the story about me being a punk kid growing up and working at my friend's church and telling him not to hang out with me. That friend is Dan. Uh, <laughs> the truth behind the story is, um, so I'm the oldest of the siblings of my friend. It's me and my sister. I'm the oldest. And, and so you, parents, you know, oldest kids have the rules, Right? 
It's like, hey, we got to keep this kid safe. Probably shouldn't do that, whatever. Dan's the fourth kid. Like, way youngest. So you know, rules just don't, like, just don't die. We don't care. Just don't die. If it's not broken, we're fine, you know. So Dan and I, and my parents weren't really, like, strict or anything. It's just we grew up in different, you know, kind of birth order. So Dan was always a let's go guy for me growing up. It's like, hey, let's build a jump that goes straight into the canyon. Okay. You know, let's go skate this hill. All right. You know, it's like it's always let's go, let's go, let's go. And so some of my favorite adventures growing up start off with my best friend Dan saying, hey, let's go do this. Let's go do this. And we were never short for adventures. Uh, Fast forward to college. Um, Chris Billings (laughs) enters my life. And um, so I had moved from here to Washington in high school. Had kind of a tough time in high school. Got a little reserved. Got a little, you know, in my shell. And uh, so I go to Oklahoma Christian University. A shout out to the Eagles. Talons up. Um, Yeah, it's the worst. Talons up. Anyway. So I'm this freshman guy. I'm, I'm the West Coast guy out in Oklahoma. Like half my hair is bleached. I'm in a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, oh my goodness is right. It wasn't even cool on the West Coast, but in Oklahoma, definitely, I, like, people, like, people don't know what to do with me. And, and so I was kind of, you know, in my shell a little bit. And Chris Billings comes along, and I think he just knew I needed the help. And um, the first time I met Chris, where there's this all-school event, and um, the school, it was like welcome week or something like that, and the school had bought pizzas for everybody, because it's the official food of college is pizza, and so, yeah, you know, um, youth ministry, too, Uh, (laughs) and so the event's kind of over, everybody's just kind of hanging out, there's no real, like, plan, and all there's, like, stacks of pizza boxes, like, six feet tall, you know, next to the trash cans and stuff. And Chris got one of his friends to throw a football inside, of course, throw a football, and he, like, dives into the stack of pizza boxes. They go flying everywhere. We kind of lose him. We see, like, a shoe come off. And, like, he gets up and goes, oh, hey, everybody, and just walks off. That's my introduction to Chris. He's just kind of fearless like that. And, and it, was, it was holy mischief all day long. All day, every day. How he graduated, I don't know. He runs a successful business. Um, God bless him. We did not see that coming. Um, but I love, I love Chris because he, he would just do random things. I mean, if anything went on on campus, you knew Chris was behind it. Like, we had this plastic lawn, or, or we, he had, this is how Merry Christmas Madness got started, by the way, for the youth ministry crew. <laughs> Chris had this plastic lawn ornament Santa that he took with him everywhere. A little lawn ornament Santa, took it everywhere, all year round. He'd be in chapel, right? We have chapel every day at 11. And you could see the speakers in chapel. They're like ready to make some deep theological point. And you could tell when they locked eyes with Chris, because he'd be sitting in the front row of the back section with his arm around Santa going, it's eh. <laughs> like... Just every day, he'd run around. I think at one point, well, and yeah, I know at one point we, um, we, we decided it was Santa's birthday. It was like April. And we took Santa out to a restaurant, like a nice restaurant in downtown Oklahoma City. And there's like a dozen of us. And we made the waitress refer to Santa like as an actual person. And like they sang happy birthday for him the whole night. Like... Just goofy, goofy fun all the time. And the thing with Chris was like, like we had curfew at midnight. If you were in your room at midnight for curfew, uh, Chris is upperclassman and after he just come by and goes, come on, let's go. And you're like, I guess I can't do homework later. Like there's just no saying no because you knew you were going to have a good time. And it's Oklahoma. And no offense to Oklahoma. I love my people out there. If you're not creating your own adventures, the potential for life to be boring is, is there. It exists, I'll say. Um, and, and Chris was a master of it. He was a master of, of 
of creating these adventures, and we had a blast. And what's cool, too, and, I, and I'll say this part, um, there are never any drugs or alcohol involved. There are never anything super legal involved. <laughs> Questionable, maybe. I can tell every story that, of hanging out with Chris to my mom. So we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, but, but I love these guys. I love guys like Dan, like Chris. I love being around the Let's Go guys. Um, <clears throat> they remind me a lot of Caleb. So let, let's get to the scripture on Caleb because there's some cool stuff from Caleb's life um, that I see in Dan and Chris's life and, and, and my friend's life, my Let's Go guys around, that I know now. Um, there's some cool stuff from scripture that we can pull from Caleb's story uh, and apply that to our lives to kind of help foster that. Uh, let me set up where we're at. Uh, in the Bible at this point, coming into Numbers 13. The Israelites have been freed from captivity. They're no longer slaves. Uh, They've crossed the Red Sea, and they're on the verge, they're like right on the edge of the promised land that God has said all along he would give over to them. So they're right there on the cusp of fulfilling this promise from God. And, and God, uh, God has Moses send spies into the land to survey the land. And so Moses tells the spies, he gets one from every tribe of Israel. So there's 12 spies total. Caleb is a spy. Caleb uh, is chosen as a representative of the tribe of Judah. And if you know your Old Testament history, that, that should throw a little ding out there. Caleb is chosen to represent the tribe of Judah to go into Canaan and survey the land. And here's what Moses asked them to do. I want you to see who lives there. Find out what kind of cities they have there. Are they fortified cities? Are there armies there? Tell us about the land. Is it good farmland? Can you bring back fruits from the land so we can see what it's like. Just give us a description of this land. So the 12 spies go into Canaan and they spend 40 days wandering the land. That's an important number. Take note of that. The spies spend 40 days traveling all throughout Canaan. And this is the report that they give when they come back to the tribe of Israel, to all of the Israelites and all their tribes. Uh, Numbers 13, starting in verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. So they literally show the people, this is exactly as it as God said it would be. Like, here's the proof. They have definitive proof that what God said about this place is true. They bring it back with them. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. But the, here's, here's where the complaining starts. But the people who live there are powerful And the cities are fortified and very large. Excuses are coming in already. We even saw descendants of Anak there, meaning um, that's like the term, kind of loosely translates like giants over men, like uh, essentially big warriors. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. So if this so if this not so superhero is let's go guy, like the not so super villain here is like oh, I'm not sure man. <laughs> I don't know, right? So Caleb, I love this part. <laughs> Verse thirty. Caleb silenced the people before Moses. I don't know what it takes to silence an entire nation, but Caleb did it. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land 
but we can certainly do it. Let's go. Let's go. I'm going to read this next passage, and like the tone that I kind of hear when I read this is very similar to when I ask my six-year-old to pick up his toys after we've had a long day of playing. But the man who, got up, who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours the living in it. And all the people we saw there are great size. We saw the descendants of Anak. And we see like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. Hmm. If Let's Go Guys the superhero, I don't know, man, is the Nazi supervillain. That's what he's combating right there. And, and so we, <laughs> they go on to gripe in front of Moses, and, and uh, we did a whole series on this next part of Moses and leadership and dealing with people complaining. We'll, we'll fast forward to... Uh, Numbers 14, Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, who's the only other spy of the 12 spies, 10 gave a bad report. Joshua is one who gives a good report, ends up becoming the leader of the Israelites. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who are among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. As a sign of frustration and anger and sorrow. And said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. They're speaking truth here. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. I love this from Caleb. See, this is what let's go guy does. There's three things here that Caleb does that I think we have in common with our let's go guy. This is what a let's go guy does. A let's go guy calls others into action. A let's go guy says, let's go. Not I'm going. It's we should go. Let's go. All of us. Who's with me? Right? This call to action, it would be insane for Caleb to say, you guys don't want to go? Fine, I'll conquer the land myself. Right? Caleb's not stupid. The let's go guy says, all of us, let's go. It's not about just them. Dan and Chris, great examples of this. <laughs> Dan's like, I don't want to do this by myself. Come on. And Chris <laughs> actually is kind of an introvert. But you put him in front of a crowd and there's a large group of people not having fun and just something clicks, man. The guy's going to make sure everybody has fun. We don't do this on our own. Let's go, man. Or let's go, guy. Second thing. Motivates with truth. We can do this. God said... The land is good. All of these things are truth. He's not trying to deceive people into doing something they shouldn't do. He's speaking the truth here in a bold proclamation and saying, because this is true, we should go. It's like when our friends say, you should go because you're going to have fun. Right? You should go because it's better than doing what you're doing now. It's truth. 
And they set an example with that truth. And one thing I love, too, if a let's go, if a let's go guy says we probably shouldn't go, nobody's going to question it, right? When let's go guy says, mm, not a good idea. So like when part of our crew comes in and says, hey, we should go steal the security guard's car. And people listen. When let's go guy says, eh, maybe not, people listen because they speak truth. And they set up, a, they set an example. And, and what I love about this too, a good let's go guy, if he says something, will put, will back his words with action. Right? When Chris says, hey, come on, man, let's go. You're going to have a good time. He was prepared to make sure everybody had a good time. He was going to back that up. If plan A failed, all right, we're going to find plan B. Right? If hitting on girls at McDonald's with the Bubba teeth doesn't work out, like we got kicked out immediately, all right, we're going to go to the mall and try. Right? He backed up the words with action. And that's what Caleb does here. Caleb's like, I'm ready to go. Let's go. We can do this. Lastly, let's go guy has a courage rooted in faith. Let's go guy has courage rooted in faith. And here's what I mean by that. It's not reckless stupidity. We're not Johnny Knoxville here, just doing stuff for the sake of how insane can we be. We're not Travis Pastrana here, jumping out of a plane and putting on a parachute on the way down. This is, these are things that are thought out and done with faith. You know, my friends, you know, this, this picture of, um, go, can we go back to that picture of Dan and Chris? You know, this is Dan jumping off of the roof into the pool. Um, actually, I'm really stoked about this. I took this with a uh, disposable camera. It's like the best photo I've ever taken. I love this. He measured out before he jumped off the roof. This wasn't his first time jumping off of something. This is, this is thought out. I can do this. It's going to be fun. Now, is it crazy? Yes. Not denying that part. But it's not out of measure. The Chris going to Taco Bell, had he done that before? No, surprisingly. But he done some similar stuff. And he knew what was he was getting into. Let's go, people. They understand. They're not reckless. They're adventurous. They're not reckless. Caleb is not trying to do something that God has not already ordained. That would be reckless. Caleb is saying, no, God has ordained it, so let's go. And lastly, what I love about let's go guy and the courage they have is it builds confidence in others. It builds, this is what I mean by that. Um, so when I arrived at Oklahoma Christian, I, I moved from here in San Diego to Washington in the middle of ninth grade, had a rough few years in high school. Confidence, right? My comfort zone was about the size of the space that I take up. This is my little square comfort zone. I get to school, and here's Chris Billings. And his comfort zone is like out to here, off stage, off camera, out of spotlight, like just nuts, right? In any given situation, Chris is the most comfortable person in the room. Chris is also, we would just say, if you're with Chris, you're not the craziest person in the room, right? And so he could be out here, 
And what's cool about that is, over time, when somebody is that far out, right, in their comfort zone, and that space is that far out, over time what that does, that allows you to kind of step out a little bit and expand yours. So over time, my comfort zone is expanding. The whole time, though, I have this buffer here, right? You guys tracking with me? As my comfort zone is expanding, no matter where I'm at, I am not the craziest person in the room, right? Surprisingly enough. And, And so as my comfort zone expands, here's what's really cool. When Chris graduates, right, my comfort zone has expanded out for a few years of hanging out with his crew. And so when Chris graduates and he's gone, where am I? My comfort zone is out here now. So now, now mind you, there's a whole crew of us. It's not just me. There are a lot of idiots in our group. But now, my comfort zone is all the way out here. So when the new guys come into school, and they're right here, we get to help them out, right? And having that buffer for years and years and years, Chris allowed a whole group of guys to expand out and become, <laughs> you know, the crazy guys, the adventure guys. So when the next group comes in and we see these, you know, freshman guys from, I, I remember these two guys, that they're, they're from a small town in North Texas, high school of like a couple hundred people maybe, and they come in and they're both tall guys. By the end of the semester, we had them playing intramural basketball, one sitting on the other's sh- uh, shoulders in one jersey, like playing with like four arms. That's how we had fun. It's also the only trophy I ever won in college. I love Let's Go Guy. So let's talk, so we've been talking about Let's Go Guy. Let's talk about Caleb's not so superpower. You're gonna love this. I expect to hear some grunts, some like Tim the Toolman Taylor grunts or something like this. Here's Caleb's superpower. Caleb's superpower, old man strength. Right? I love old man strength. And it's not just reserved for guys, too. I had a great-grandmommy. She was 102 years old. Uh, she lived to be 102 years old. She weighed 80 pounds at most. Um, the last time that we saw her, me and all my cousins, uh, I'm the youngest of all the guy cousins, we played dominoes against her, and she whooped us <laughs> bad. My other cousin says it's because she had played every possible scenario of dominoes in her lifetime. <laughs> so this is, I'm just talking, I'm not just talking about guys here. I'm going to say old guy strength, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> my, my family's going to watch this and going to be like, be nice to your grandmommy. No, she was mean to us at Domino's. Very sweet lady, though. Old man strength. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite parts of my life, and I consider myself very blessed in this, is I've always been surrounded by some guys with great examples of old man strength. I'm going to highlight a couple, two of my favorites. Um, that's my dad on the left, uh, the original Logan Iverson. Um, great guy. Uh, was a leader in the church for a long time. Uh, battled brain cancer twice. Loved him. Uh, that's my grandpa, my, my mother's dad. Uh, we call him Pollock. Um, it's not a derogatory term. His dad was, immigrated from Poland, didn't know any English. They just called him Polak. He thought the name was great, so he took it on too. That photo is not from the 1800s. Um, that's actually from 1980 when he went panning for gold by himself with his mule up in Northern California. So let me tell you a couple of old man strength stories I love from these guys. And I've, I've got a ton. I'll, I'll just pull a few out. Uh, this is my dad. By the way, 
the best like dad joke he pulled, he did this for years. We didn't discover this until after he passed um, because we didn't have digital cameras. My dad never looked straight at the camera. Every photo we have, family's looking this way, my dad's looking this way, smiling. <laughs> Great dad joke. Um, so when we moved to Washington, um, uh, I joined the wrestling team, which is a big deal for us. Uh, my poor mom never had nice furniture in the living room. Uh, There's no breakable lamp. There's no nice family photos anywhere. Um, our living room was a wrestling ring. If anything, we should have decorated our living room with three ropes around it and some turnbuckles. Uh, because I grew up wrestling my dad all the time. You know, like, you know, you wrestle around with your kids when you're little and stuff. I never stopped. And, you know, I got bigger and I was like, oh, dude, I'm going to get them one day. And um, we have a family phrase, uh, you may whip me, but you'll never throw me in the well. That's going to come back into play here in a second. Um, so ninth grade, we moved to Washington. The first day I'm there, I get invited to join the wrestling team. So I do. Did all right. Eighth, eighth place, King County champs. Big deal, obviously. Um, but the best part of wrestling was I started learning some moves, right? I started learning how to kind of leverage and uh, leverage attacks and kind of how to shoot in and do some holds and stuff. And so, and it's about a time where I was catching up with my dad in height and build. Like my dad's built, he was built just like me, you know, 5'11", stocky dude, you know, pretty solid dude. We would wrestle. I mean, we'd go at it for a long time. I never pinned him, but I came close. And one of the times I came close, you know, we've been wrestling for a while. I get him down, and here's what I did. This is super cheap. Um, I would call my sister to come, like, when I got him in, like, a hold where maybe he couldn't move a little bit. I'd call my sister over, and she would rub his eyebrows the wrong way. And he hated it. Um, so we're wrestling. My sister's, like, in and out, rubbing his eyebrows the wrong way. My mom's washing dishes, just, you know, making sure nobody's breaking, you know, the wall or anything. And we go out for a while. Finally, we're done. And, you know, I'm a big deal, obviously. Walk up to mom. Like, I'm getting pretty close to pinning dad. I'm like this far off. And my mom, without skipping a beat, goes, your dad's a Marine trained to kill people with his bare hands. You may beat me, but you never throw me down the well, right? Now, Pollock. A couple stories on Pollock real quick, and then we're going to move on to Caleb. Um, <laughs> so Pollock had the shed. It's about the size of the stage, right? Like this whole stage right back behind the curtain and everything. Um, he lived in Houston at, at this house for like 60 years. And this shed... It's, like, crooked, it's made of corrugated tin, and, like, the biggest piece is, like, three feet by three feet. It's, like, patchwork together, just the most, like, old man shed you've ever seen in a backyard. And uh, had had it for, like, six years. The last place you want to walk if you're barefoot, right? There's just, like, old rusty tools and screwdrivers and just stuff laying around and, and like, tools, like, people hadn't even heard of. They're just out of circulation at this point. And when it came time for them to move, all the cousins were like, dude, that is going to be a bear when we have to clean out the shed. And so sure enough, I'm there on vacation. I used to vacation there. Vacation would go like this. Uh, you wake up at 6 o'clock, you get breakfast, you go work with Pollock out on whatever project it is that day. Uh, till about noon, it gets too hot to even be outside or want to be on the planet in Houston during the summer. You come in, you eat, you watch a western, take a nap, clean up, dinner, and then go to the ball game every night. So we're eating breakfast. <coughs> All right, D, we're going to straighten up the shed today. It's like, I, I knew I should have come out to visit more often. Like, okay, Pollock. So he goes, I get you a sawzall, a little, little saw, and I want you to cut a hole in the side of the shed over here. 
okay? You never ask why, right? By the way, if you're messing around with, like, one of these dudes with old guy shrink, never ask why. They're not going to tell you. Oh, you'll see. You'll see. So cut a hole in the shed. We go inside. He's all right, run a rope around uh, the support beams here. Okay? Once again, just do it. You can't ask why. Shows me what not to use. He goes, all right, D, you run the rope out through the hole. Okay, so I run the rope out through the hole. I go outside. He's got like a circus tent-sized stake out in the yard. And you know those like little clamps you use when you're like securing luggage on your truck where like they click in? He runs the rope over to the clamp, starts clamping this down. He's literally straightening up the shed. <laughs> it was sitting at an angle. He didn't want to bug the inspector, so he literally straightened up the shed. That's old guy strength right there. A, a fun one, too. I, I got to tell this when I, as I have the chance. Um, this will come into play later. Um, he was a ball player. Um, he was, uh, ended up being a baseball coach at a high school in Houston and was a gym teacher there. Uh, most people called him coach. And he was at a high school in Houston during the time of desegregation. And so obviously a tumultuous time, uh, a tough time for a lot of people. Um, and we didn't find this story out until after he passed. Somebody, somebody came and told us this. Um, at least I didn't know. Uh, he was in class and he heard a ruckus going on outside. And there was a young African-American man standing there. And there's a whole group of white guys around yelling at him, threatening him. And Pollock shows up, and he's, you know, he's 40s in his, at this point, late 40s, early 50s. And Pollock stands in front of this young man, and he's got a tire iron in one hand and a chain in the other. And he looks at the crowd of boys, and he just says, who's first? Like, if you're going to get through him... If you're going to get to him, you're coming through me. And that boy was fine. That young man was fine that day. That's old man strength right there. So let's talk about this for a second. Or, or I'm sorry, let's get, to the, let's get to the scripture here. Because Caleb is a great example of old man strength. And there's a lot of stuff uh, my dad and Pollock remind me of um, in this passage here. We're going to go, uh, we're going to fast forward in scripture it has been 40 years. The Israelites, uh, where we left off in Scripture, the Israelites start complaining to Moses. God says, all right, you are going to spend one year in the desert for every day that the spies were in the land of Canaan. 40 years. That's why they wandered in the desert for 40 years. And he says... None of you are going to set foot in the land, claim land in the land of Canaan, except for Joshua and Caleb, the two who said, let's go. The guys who said, we can do this, and we're faithful all along. So for 40 years, Caleb is wandering around the most beautiful part of the world. Just kidding. <laughs> Caleb's wandering around in the desert waiting for this moment. The time comes, generation has passed, the Israelites enter the land, they cross the Jordan River, they enter the land of Canaan, and they start, one by one, they start taking over the areas that God has promised them. There's a whole list of great kings, that, there's the Battle of Jericho, some phenomenal stories there. Joshua is the leader of the Israelites at this point. He's doing a great job leading. And they get to a point where they can start saying, okay, you take this area, you take this area. So we come up to Joshua, uh, chapter 14, verse 6. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kizanite, said to them, you know... What the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. Like, you know the truth. You heard it. 
I was 40 years old when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. He's speaking truth here, right? He knows what's happened. He's been waiting for this. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. It was 85 <clears throat> while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Canaan isn't won over. This isn't Caleb has hit 85, now it's time to hit the retirement villa. There is still land to conquer. Are you going to be the guy that tells Caleb no? Like, heaven help the person goes, dude, you're kind of old for this. Nah, man, he's been waiting for 40 years. That's 40 years of that old man strength coming up. There is no stopping Caleb at this point. Here's what I love about old man strength. Old man strength works for the benefit of others. Caleb's going to take over this land, but he's not going to live there long. This is for his family. This is for his ancestors, right? He knows his strength has already done him well. At this point, his strength, his old man's strength, is really going to benefit the people behind him. It's going to benefit others. He understands legacy. And one of the key points of old man strength is, I've learned this so you don't have to, right? I figured this out a long time ago the hard way, so you don't have to. Like, I'm not going to let you say, mm, I don't know, about taking the promised land again. I've done that. It doesn't work. I'm not going to let you do it again. We're going to benefit from this old man strength. If let's go guy calls other people into action, old man strength is action that benefits other people. They're tied together there. Next, old man strength. If let's go guy is motivated by the truth, old man strength has a better understanding of the truth. This is how things work. This is how this works. This is how this is going to go. And here's a phrase that you can't substitute. Ready? This is a great old man strength phrase. I've seen this before. Say that with me. I've seen this before. You can't fake that. You can't fake that. Caleb's seen it before. The, these guys have seen it before. The, the guys that exemplify, the people that exemplify old man strength, They've seen it before. They've experienced it. They've been there. That's part of the strength. The last part, if let's go guy has courage rooted in faith, old man strength is time-tested faith. He's faithful. He's been faithful. 
And he's been faithful for a long time. This is faith that's built, not bought. Right? You ever meet those old guys and they have that handshake that's like a, like a machine press? And you just hope you get your hand back intact? That doesn't happen overnight. That's years and years and years, right, of hard work. Old man strength is about constant dedication and faithfulness. So for us today, what do we take with this? Well, some of us are the let's go people, right? We got this worship night coming up on Wednesday night. Uh, I, I love what Riley did here. Riley said, um, we got a lot of teens that like to worship. Let's go. Let's do something with that. And so I started this program this summer helping teens understand what it means to lead worship. First one's Wednesday night. If you say you have better plans, I disagree. Bring your friends, bring your family. Bring the PPF plans with. Do something later. Let's go. Right? Let's go, people. <laughs> Let's go, people. Bring others in. They, they encourage others. They excite others. They activate others. And here's the cool part. Even if you're not a let's go person by nature, you will have a turn. In some circles, I'm the let's go guy. In other circles, it's, come on, man, you can do this. Let's go. Right? It's just like in some circles, I'm the baseball guy. Now, I know a lot of stats about this, whatever the game. I, I walk next door to Honey Hole, the baseball card shop, which is really dangerous. I'm no longer baseball guy. I'm learning, right? It's not my turn to be baseball guy. It's my turn to learn. Even if you're not a let's go person right now, you're going to have the opportunity to be so. Whether it's your family, your workplace, your school, your group of friends, there will be a time when that group, your group you're in, will need you to say, no. Let's go. We can do this. There will be a time when your church needs you to say, no, we can do this. God has ordained it. God has called us to it. We can do this. If you're not the let's go person by nature, it's okay. You will have your turn. Same with old man strength. You may not have old man strength right now. I personally feel right in the middle of this. Right? I'm, I'm about the age of Caleb when they go uh, visit the land. I'm, I'm early 40s. So I know there's some old guys out there that uh, I'm not throwing them in the well. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But there's plenty of people that look to me and say, dude, you got a lot of gray hair. It's true. Fine with it. I've earned all of them. Right? I'm in the process. So for some people that I'm around, and I intentionally put myself around, I'm learning. I'm watching that strength. I'm watching that old man strength. And, and for other people, I am the old man strength that I need to be that example. Because I've seen it. I've done it. I've experienced it. And I know it doesn't go well that way. Right? When it comes to old man strength, someday it will be your turn. So let's go. Practice now. Caleb didn't build his faith up in a day. There's a reason he was chosen to be one of the spies, right? There's a reason he came back and said yes. And there's a reason God said 40 years later, go for it. And there's a reason in the next couple chapters of Joshua, Caleb wins out, and he hands his land off to his ancestors. Constant dedication. So let's do this, guys. 
If you take nothing else away from today, let's let it be this. Let's go, guy. Looks for a reason to say yes to God instead of looking for an excuse. Let's go, guy. Looks for a reason to say yes to God instead of looking for an excuse. And old man strength is a time-tested, we can do this. Uh, we're going to wrap up with a time of communion here. Uh, if you didn't get communion as you came in, uh, our volunteers will help you out. Um, just raise your hand and we'll get communion to you. I love this story because it applies to so many of my friends. I love this story. It's something that resonates deeply with my soul. Um, what I love about this story, too, is, is we see this modeled in Christ our Savior. Um, Jesus was a let's go guy. He knew when to take breaks. He knew when to relax. But he also knew when to say let's go. And he was willing to put himself on a cross for us. Let's go. He had plenty of excuses and opt-outs not to, and he still said, let's go. And he had a faith that was time-tested and, and a strength that uh, I think we can all aspire to. So as, as we turn towards communion, let's this be our prayer. God, thank you for example of Caleb. Uh, most importantly, God, we thank you for the example set by Jesus. Jesus had every excuse in the world not to follow through, but he did. He went on the cross for us, and, and his body was broken, his blood was shed for us, and so we honor that at this time. I pray that we can be challenged by that, that we can be motiva motivated by that as well. And God, I pray that you would give us the strength of Christ, God, the strength that comes from years of wisdom of being dedicated to you, God. And if this is it's our first day of being dedicated, I pray that you give us day two wisdom. And God, if it's a lifetime of wisdom, God, I pray that, that you would continue to build us up and give us people to share that wisdom with, God. In your son's holy name we pray.